0: The Jet Spotlight, episode 32. Hey everybody, what's up? Yanilunga here and welcome to the 32nd episode of the Jet Spotlight podcast and happy... National Podcasters Day. Today, September 30th, it's National Podcasters Day. So if you're a podcaster or if you're a podcast fan, happy National Podcasters Day. Thank you for being with me today. I'm really excited about this episode because today we're going to go behind the scenes of a popular record label. I have on the show Dave Stapleton of Edition Records that is going to tell us more about the label, how it was founded, how is a typical day of a record company is gonna mention some of the artists signed by edition records and they've also gonna give some couple of advice in terms of of social media websites so it's gonna be a very interesting episode like always remember that you can find the links of all the things dave and i talk about at slash episode 32 here is behind the scenes of a record label with dave Stapleton of Edition Records. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. What's up? Yanni Lunga here from the Jet Spotlight podcast with another great guest. And I'm really excited about this episode because today we're going to go behind the scenes of a popular record label based pretty much around London in the UK. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a great episode. And I want to get started immediately. Let's welcome on the show the founder of Edition Records who's also a pianist and composer. Welcome Dave Stapleton. How are you? Very well, thanks. Nice to be here. Hey, my pleasure, my pleasure. So I know that you are you're a pianist, a composer, and I have to ask you this, how did you come up with the idea of creating a record label?
1: Um I suppose it it started when I left the music conservatoire in, in Cardiff and I I suppose I, I was looking for someone or an outlet for my music. And, um, I started this very small little label with no real big intentions with a friend of mine who was, who was a singer songwriter. And we just kind of started putting out some little music with no distribution, with no real idea about how to run a label. Just, <laughs> we just wanted to kind of release some music. And that was back in 2003. um, that label grew a little bit, but I decided in 2008 to close that label down. It wasn't working. I wanted to start fresh to do a a jazz label. And so I started edition in 2008, again, to release my music, but also to look to other musicians, to my friends who were also in the same position, you know, wanting to get music out there, but, but not having a really an outlet for it. And I, I, I suppose I developed a little bit of an instinct for, for record labels and, had quite a clear idea back then of what to do, um, and so it started then. And then, you know, in 2008, we we released I think four albums that year, and then it, it's, it's it's built up now. We've um, just just passed our 50th release, and it's uh, it's growing, going further and further.
0: Mm-hmm. And today, like you ma- you just mentioned, you passed your 50th release. Your, your roster it's growing as well. You have artists like Team Garland is some Finnish artists as well. Finland represent, like Werneri Pajola, Alexi Tuomarilla. How, you know, how do you look for artists? Because today there are obviously, you know, with the internet, there are so many platforms. What What is the way you look for artists to add to your roster?
1: Um, half the time it's like people I know already so because mm-hmm. obviously I'm working with these people and i want to I want to get on with them and I want to be able to see that we can we can work together of course the music has to excite me as well and and you know especially these days the the uh, the, the thought of them touring and having agent support and uh, are all a big part of it too but but not imperative but it's it's very hard to put one aspect on it but it's a combination of of, you know, of the music, of the people, mm-hmm. of, of the kind of infrastructure they have around them, of the, their own determination and motivation to to do stuff, and you know, in many different things. But you know, lately, um, I'm trying to branch out a little bit more in the style of music. Not not always going for kind of contemporary jazz, but also looking into electronic music, mm-hmm. into classical music, and and any kind of hybrids that we can use to you know create excitement amongst the industry and the fans mm-hmm.
0: yeah and now tell us a little bit more about your typical day how is the typical day at a record label i'm pretty curious about this
1: my typical day uh i get into the office about nine o'clock um i maybe package up some orders and send those out i may answer a few urgent emails um i then tend to look about what's going on in that month and you know, work out what I need to do. Mm-hmm. As always, there's always there's varying tours, gigs, releases um, happening all the time. And so it's it's a bit of a juggling act, kind of prioritizing what's, what needs doing at that moment. Um, you know, I may talk to the team and see what, what they're up to and what what their priorities are, make sure everything's running smoothly. And then it's a mixture of, you know, doing the jobs and carrying them out. And, you know, a day can start and you never know what can happen in that day, which I, I find quite exciting. I, I don't like know exactly what I'm doing all day. But, and then it's a mixture of, uh, of many phone calls and many emails later on. And, you, you know, it's, anything can happen, really. Mm-hmm. No,
0: it sounds, it sounds cool. And, you know, I also, to to some extent, you know, I feel the same. And sometimes it's exciting when you don't know what's going to happen by the end of the day. And now, if you were to to look back, you said that you you started another label that is now extinct, and then you started with Edition Records. Is there something that you would do differently if you were to talk to your younger self?
1: Um, That first label, I thought I knew a lot when I was doing it, but looking back now, I I really didn't have a clue. And, you know, probably in five years' time, I'll look back now and think I had a a clue now, but I I, I probably won't. Everything's changing so fast, and I think um, what I would probably change is really just the satisfaction of what I'm doing at that time. I think I've always it's always hard to to be satisfied with what you're doing. And actually if if you kind of tend to dwell too much on, on the negatives the whole time and look for the positives, I think you can actually create a lot more, you know, I've learned a lot about people and managing people. And I think I looking back, I, I, I'd much rather work harder at the, uh, at the relationships you have mm-hmm. with people and not get too caught up in the, in the kind of pr- protection of, of your creativity, if you like. You know what I mean? So it's it, a lot of people can find it's are too protective over over their over their music or over their things, and people tend to rush it because they want to get out. And I think if I could do anything, I would just, I would slow down a bit and just um and look to collaborate more with people.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great answer, and I agree with you. And it's also this like networking and collaboration are things that have popped up before in the show. For example, on episode eight. There was Christoph de Gelt of the Gelt Productions who talked about music management and booking. And he really talked about the importance of building a network. And, you know, I I really agree with you. And and I also think that has never been as easier as today with emails, uh, social media. It's really easy to reach out to people and connect with people and build Relationships and, you know, that can benefit everyone. I, I see it myself with the podcast to reach out to, uh, for guests when I'm looking for guests like you today. It's, it's really easy. It's enough to exchange a couple of emails and, you know, and great things start from, from just a, a simple email or a single tweet. And now I want to ask you about, like, to put that uh, musician's hat because you're also a, a musician and I want to ask you, if you have some promotion advice for musicians, I'm sure that as you know, a record label founder and still musician, you see a lot of like artists, a lot of websites, a lot of social media. If we start about websites, what do you think uh, musicians should have on their website? What elements you think are a must?
1: These days, I think the simpler, the better. I think the less clicking you have to do in a website, the better. I think the more social media is engaged with with the website the better that limits the time you have to update it. It's it's updated when you update your social media. Um, I think it's imperative that the site works for, um, tablets and mobile phones and not just online Mm -hmm. and, you know, things, simple things like using the right font that can, you can read easily and branding the, your artwork for the, for the CD into your website easily. And, you know, making sure that the, the obvious things and the most important things are, are the, the first things that people see, i.e. that your tour dates, where to sign up for the mailing list mm-hmm. and, you know, what the latest news is and, you know, where you can watch the latest video or, or go and hear some music. All these things just need to be really clear. And sometimes people over complicate it with lots of flash kind of moving stuff. And it's just, there's no real need for it. I don't think, no, I think websites these days are. There are so many about and people use websites less and less because social media is, is increasing. I think it's it's almost like your, your Facebook page is as important as your, as your website now. And it's, it's just another part of it. And it's another platform and it just needs to be seen as that.
0: Mm-hmm. no i i I agree with many of the things you said and for example, I want to uh, talk for a moment about the font. It's nice that you mentioned the font because that it's o- it's also something that it's very important, especially maybe in the about page let's say if you where you have your biography it's important to have a font that it's like that can be read easily so that it's not too small that it's for example a black font on a white background. These kind of things are very important to keep in mind and and also the the having a responsive uh, website like you said today more and more people access websites and use like uh, smartphones and tablets so it's important that you want to make sure that your your website keep keeps up <laughs> with what's happening and it's relatively easy you know there isn't any bigger effort and about the integration social media uh, website i like that you mentioned that and We had on episode seven, there was Ezra Brown who talked about touring the world. And he he is a perfect example because he talked about how he manages to promote himself and keep his site updated while he's traveling around the world only by using the smartphone. So basically, he has uh, his Facebook feed, his tweets, Everything is integrated with the website so that by just uh, scheduling the posts and tweets and all these kind of things, he manages to keep up a website that is always up there.
1: It, it always becomes like a hub of, of, your, acti- of your activity, you know, so you can see everything in one go rather than having to go to all those different social media sites to check out what's going on. So exactly. your, your photos are there, your, your, your posts are there, your videos, your EPKs, your, yeah. you know, your, your riders and your tech, tech sheets for the gigs and promoters. So it's, it's all there.
0: Yeah, exactly. And also now that you mentioned promoters, uh, that's also something we talked about on episode 13 with Jerry Goldstein, because she talked about the problem with some websites of, of musicians is the fact that often they just think about the fans. And they don't think about the people who could actually give them the gigs that can book them for festivals. So sometimes they forget about things like electronic press kits and all those things that are there specifically for promoters, uh, festival organizer and all those things. So I think that's also something that should be there. And going back to social media, like I really like this example of Ezra Brown about the integration. But however, I think that when it comes to online presence, we should keep in mind what Bobby Ozynski said in episode two, where we talked about uh, effective online promotion, because he made the example of, of MySpace, and that's a perfect example of why social media are very important, but still you should focus on your website, because he made, he made the example of MySpace that when was acquired by different uh, ownership, they basically restarted the whole System. What and what that meant is that people that had had uh, thousands of followers started from scratch, from zero, and there was no way to get those followers back. But if one has a website, and like you mentioned, the uh, the newsletter, email list, that's the the best way to you know to keep a following all the contact information to the followers. That's probably the best way, so that you know that if. Something happens to your Facebook page, or you get you get banned from Twitter or whatever. You will still have access to all the the people that have are, are interested in in your music and in what you do, definitely. And in terms of of social media, how how do you think is the it's a good way to promote uh, you know one's music? Because I see it a lot, uh, for example, with the Jet Spotlight. When there are artists that are basically sending the same tweet, copy pasted to hundreds of Twitter uh, Twitter uh, users, publication festivals without really engaging, and to me that's really a wrong way to do it. How do you think it's a it's a good way for you personally?
1: Um, I think it's different for a label and for an artist, but as a label point of view, we're we're trying to engage with people, and engagement is the big word here. You know, mm-hmm. the number of likes is is not the relevant thing because it's the, it's you know, it, it means nothing you can go and buy a hundred thousand likes you know on the, online if you wanted to but it's the engagement and the reach that is important and um for us as a label point of view we're looking to engage with people about what we're into as a business and and as a as music lovers so it's the music we like it's the you know the photography we like the stories we like that that connects us and and kind of gets across the brands that we're trying to develop um so it provides on one hand the kind of the kind of uh the shape of what we're into and 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 the brand secondly it's about providing information so when when tour dates uh what dates they are and when release dates um uh, you know are put out there and things and that kind of core, core information that fans and in- industry need to know about. And, uh, and secondly, use it as a promotional tool, and I, I think it's important not to do it too much with, with always talking about what's going on. And I think it's easier for a label because, you know, we've got more artists to talk about, but mm-hmm. for an artist, you know, you want to be careful about not talking so- about yourself too much, mm-hmm. but really, you know, engage, especially on Twitter, engage with people have discussions and conversations and, it's a much better way of, of building audiences rather than always saying, oh, our next gig is on this day. And, you know, it, it never really works like that. So it, engagement is, is the way, interaction.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's perfect. It's, I totally agree. And for me, I always make the example of, of walking down the street and meeting a stranger because sometimes I think that people forget that Twitter, like, you know, you are uh, – contacting someone that maybe doesn't know anything about you and basically you're you're just harshing in and say, hey, this is my, my music, buy my music. And, you know, people are like, okay, excuse me, who are you? Kind of how did you find out about me? So I think that I agree with you that it's important to find a balance between Talking about
1: oneself and about others. So you, you, you know you would never walk into a into a bar or a pub in England and and, just, and straight away start talking about yourself. You exactly <laughs> engage with that other person at the bar first and ask what they do or ask you know or, or comment on on a, some scenario that that is happening in the bar or something you know, and, and then through that conversation it comes out about what you do. And I think Twitter that applies to social media. You wouldn't start talking about yourself straight away, you know, to open discussion. It doesn't work like
0: that. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. And I think that also when it comes to uh, networking with others, so the social aspect of social media, I think that days like, for example, th- uh, throwback Thursday or Friday, uh, follow Friday, are, are very good days to interact with people. You know, if if there is someone that you you're, you like, why not to share a video of, of a past performance of that artist or, or you know, engage with festivals that you're gonna perform at, but not necessarily by being, you know, by selling your gig. And also Dave Holland on episode 22, he talked about uh, the way he promote himself online a little bit, and he said that you know he what he does, he's trying to be interesting for people, and I think that's the way to go about. It. I think that all of you who are listening. After, after you are finished with this episode, you should spend five minutes. Just open your, your Twitter feed of your, of your own profile and look a bit at the, at your tweets are, do you think you are selling too much? Or if you're doing the copy paste technique, have you now kind of reached the understanding that it's not going to work because Uh, As Dave said, it's not about the likes and it's not about the the retweets. It's about the the engagement and their interaction. And and this is like social media are great because uh, they allow us to connect with people all over the world. But if we use them the wrong way, we are just going to (laughs) be like completely alone, completely by ourselves. And now, Dave, let's go back now to to edition records a little bit. And thank you for for the advice that, that you've shared with us. What are the, now the the plans for this uh, last few months of 2014? Do you have some things that you can share with us?
1: A possibly a new thing, which I, I, I can't. It's not confirmed yet for, for this autumn. But for, you know, is touring. Tim Garland is touring in the UK. We've got um, you know he's Slow Rolling Camera doing some things as well. There's there's lots of more activity on live in the autumn, and we're really preparing for next year's releases at the moment. Um, which is including, uh, the, the Vonnery album, um, the new album from Daniel Herkshadow, the Norwegian tuba player. Um, so yeah, there's, there's lots of exciting things. Also, um, Alexi is, is gonna, we're, we're bringing back his new quartet, um, which he had back in 2005 with the Belgian saxophonist Nicolas Kermit. So that there's, there's lots of things in the pipeline that we're working towards at the moment.
0: Mm-hmm. Sounds exciting. If you are into one of the artists that Dave has just mentioned, or if you would like to learn more about Edition Records, you can learn more about it at editionrecords.com. And I have to ask you this, I, I know that as founder of our record label, it's pretty difficult, you know, when you have so many great artists, but is there an act at the moment that you would like to mention to all to the listeners of the podcast that they should definitely go and check out?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a couple of acts I'm really excited about at the moment. Um, Phrenesis firstly has, has been there a long time with us and we just released their third album and is, is, you know, they're, they're kind of a long-term uh, edition artist. But, um, there's a couple more things. You know, firstly, for the Finnish fans, we just finished recording his new album last week in Finland, which is uh, really exciting. It's a really great, great album and, uh, with some really fantastic Finnish musicians um my own band slowly rolling camera is is um something i'm very excited about too it's quite different from what i've done before you know I've, I've essentially moved away from acoustic contemporary jazz into more electronic uh kind of sound world of of jazz trip hop um electronic music soul and it's you know a produced album so we're we're using the studio as much in the writing process as, as we are in the performance. And it's, uh, it's, it's something I'm really excited about. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, sounds, sound interesting and, and innovative and, you know, I hope, uh, slow rolling camera, but also all the other artists of your label and label itself will continue to grow. And if people would like to learn more about yourself, where they can
1: find you online. Um, our edition website is, uh, www.editionrecords.com. And of course we're on Facebook and Twitter and, and, and everything else.
0: Okay, Dave, thank you so much for being on the podcast with us today and for telling us a little bit more about Edition Records.
1: No problem. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you. All right. We are back. First thing first, like always, I'd like to thank my guests, so Dave Stapleton, thank you so much for being on the Jet Spotlight podcast and for sharing some stories about edition records for us, as well as for giving some advice in terms of websites and social media. Like I said in the beginning, today, September 30th, it's National Podcasters Day, so I'd like to... Thank you, thank you, thank you for supporting the Jets Spotlight podcast. I've seen that some people have left reviews on iTunes and Stitcher. I see some activity on SoundCloud as well. So I'd like to thank you very much. And if you haven't yet, if you have been with me for weeks, but you haven't yet, I'd like to ask you for a minute of your time, head over to thejetspotlight.com slash show. You'll be redirected to the iTunes page of the podcast. And please... Take a minute of your time to help the podcast to leave ratings and review. I'd really appreciate that. On Thursday, we're going to talk about a hot topic because artists, you know, often you can read that you should get reviews, especially for the electronic press kit for your website, you should get your album reviewed, but that's not always easy. I think that Most of you who are musicians would like to get their album reviewed. And guess what? On Thursday, we're going to talk about what to pitch for a review with someone that writes reviews quite often. If you want to learn more about that, you have to come back on Thursday and head over to thejetspotlight.com slash episode 33. It's going to be a great episode. I can't wait to bring it to you. I'm Gianni Lunga, and this is the Jets Spotlight Podcast. Thank you once again for being with me today and have a great day.